If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. A pair of tickets to see the Search for Life in the Universe March 10th at the Fox Theater uh, with Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Unfortunately, Dr. Tyson, you are ineligible to win the tickets next hour. I apologize for that. Oh man, the contest oh, I rules. Know somebody, <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. So <laughs> excited to talk to you. All right, March 10th, 3 p.m. Fox Theater, the Search for Life in the Universe. Folks that are going to the fabulous Fox to see you, what can we expect on on the Fox stage that evening? Yeah, thanks. I mean, first, I'm not I don't not a day goes by where I don't think it's odd that one would go to a theater to listen to an astrophysicist. So <laughs> don't think that I don't think that that's a little weird, but <laughs> it's a whole it's a two hour presentation on all of our past, present and future efforts to try to find life in the universe. Uh, and it, it includes, you know, the search for molecules in the atmospheres of planets that may have been exhaled by life thriving on its surface because we can't see the surface. It also include a review of the testimonies recently in Congress where the guy says he has aliens in a lockbox. We'll analyze that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, no, it's a full, it's a full uh, review of this. And for people who wondered what is the state of our understanding of that search, you're all invited. If you can fit in the theater, I, I'm yeah. fascinated by the topic. I will be there. Uh, the whole crew will be there uh, at the Excellent. Fox Theater on March 10th um, because I am I'm keenly uh, eager to know about, more about life in the universe off off of this uh, you know blue planet that we're on. I have a question that's been bugging me, and I've been talking about it in the air the last couple of weeks. It seems like all of a sudden there is this sudden rush to get humans off of this planet. We, we've got, uh, you know, plans for a nuclear generator on, on, on the moon. Um, Elon Musk said he wants a million people to live on Mars by 2029. It seems like right all of a sudden there's this rush to get humans off this planet. And it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. I'm not authorized to comment further. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you are part of the Illuminati and, and you, you'll be living on Mars then. No, a couple of things. First, um, Elon could say whatever he wants about putting people on Mars, but there has to, he's running a business, right? SpaceX is a business. And so there has to be a business motive to accomplish that. And there isn't really one. Think of the venture capitalist meeting he might call for that. You know, so VCs come in and say, what do they want to do, Elon? Well, I want to put people on Mars. Uh, how much will it cost? A trillion dollars. Is it dangerous? Yes. Will people die? Probably. What's the return on that investment? I don't know. It's a five-minute meeting, right? So <laughs> if we put people on Mars, my read of history tells me it's because we have geopolitical urges to do so. Scared of China, scared of Russia, whatever. That could be why. And maybe he'll have the ship that'll take us there, but it's not on his dime, right? It would be a taxpayer's voyage there. But, but now, getting back to your angst, um, the... The concern was we need to be a multi-planet species because if something bad happens on Earth, you at least want to protect the species, even if you can't protect every individual. So that's, that makes a good headline. But, but think about it. If an asteroid is going to come and take out one planet, we have another planet. Fine. However, whatever it takes 
to build ships and move a billion people, a million people to Mars has got to be harder than deflecting the asteroid. That would yeah. okay? It just seems to me if you have that. Oh, wait, that's after you terraform Mars. OK, because you want to like live there. Yeah. Right. So whatever it takes to terraform Mars, ship a million people. I'm thinking it's easier to deflect the asteroid. So if you want to go to Mars, let it be for vacation or, or let Disney set up an outpost there. Whatever. But to say we need to become a multi-planet species, I, it's over. It's overwrought. It's so, from my view. So that being said, with the asteroid deflection being the easier answer to this, um, wh- what do you think might be the next mass extinction? The cause of the next mass extinction here on Earth? Oh, zombies for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they film Walking Dead down here, so we're we're I, we're familiar. Guys, <laughs> like. What, what, what it's uh, Atlanta is becoming the new Hollywood. There's yes. a new word. What are they calling it? The, Hollywood of the South. Yeah, there you go. There, there you go. Uh, so I, I think I'd like to believe that we are wise enough to become better shepherds of things that will kill us. That would include AI in, in its limit. By the way, we're all steeped in AI right now, even if you're not thinking about it that way. But we are. So to say, oh, AI is bad. No, you have to be a little more nuanced in your opinions about it. You don't want AI sort of, uh, you know, a Terminator AI coming in. And, you know, the versions of AI, no, you don't want. But we're so deeply engaged in it. The last thing you want to do is say, I want to live in a world without AI. There'd be nothing to fly your airplanes because the pilots right now are basically for show. Yeah, it's already <laughs> autopilot, yeah. They're running the air, they're, they're flying the air. I think they, they'll, they'll, they'll detach it so they can land the plane because that takes the right stuff. But otherwise, you know, the, the, the how smooth the ride is. I'm old enough to remember, plane rides used to be really bumpy. Yeah. All right? The computer control, uh, controlling the, 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 the surfaces of the, of the fuselage so that you have a really smooth ride. Computers are doing everything. And so I'm, I'm good with that. So any other risk? Yeah, and asteroid. I don't want to go extinct by an asteroid the way the dinosaurs did because you know if the dinosaurs had NASA they'd still be here. Okay. I want to I, I want to get into that. Talk to uh, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson live on the Mark Aram show. He's in town March 10th Fox Theater Search for Life in the Universe. As we search for life in the universe, we have to have a better understanding of of life on this planet, I feel. And and you know, you mentioned the asteroid that knocked out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. And and you know, I've I've always pointed to the fact that I am here talking to you now is because that asteroid hit. If that asteroid doesn't hit and annihilate the dinosaurs, there is no rise of the mammals, which leads to humans. So that was actually a fortuitous uh, event that led to this intelligent species, quote unquote. So so asteroids are our frenemies. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, (laughs) they one one enabled us to ascend to beyond the state of mammals of the day, we were just basically hors d'oeuvres for T-Rex <laughs> running underfoot trying to not get eaten. So, so right, if they, if, if, if they just had bad luck, and their bad luck was our good luck. So, but we have, we have the physics and the engineering to know how to deflect asteroids. By the way, it's a deflection of the asteroid. It's not a Bruce Willis, let's blow the sucker out of the sky thing. Yeah. It's a... It's a uh, you want to deflect them. That takes much less energy to accomplish. And you can monitor how how well you did because you can see the trajectory get altered bit by bit until you know you're in a safe zone. By the way, I give a whole other talk, which is not the talk this year, a whole other talk called uh, called Delusions of Space Enthusiasts. Okay. (laughs) 
our past, present, and future in space is the mismatch between what people think we want to do in space and what we actually do in space. That's a whole uh, – I can come back next year and give that talk. I love it. We can repeat this conversation. I'll be there. Um, search for life in the universe, which, you know, again, it fascinates me. Um, what, what life could look like on other planets uh, around the galaxy – um, maybe there's some, there has been some life in the solar system. I've got a theory on the origin of life here and maybe no, no, no. elsewhere. Einstein had a theory. You have a hypothesis. <laughs> All right, I have a <laughs> hypothesis. You ready? It's my okay, Johnny no. Appleseed hy- hypothesis. Okay. No. Now, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, offend any of the religious folk listening. So it, it, in my, in my hypothesis, the Johnny Appleseed hypothesis, it's either a higher being or a, a really advanced civilization that has, has mastered a lot of things that we've not even been able to comprehend. They just basically seeded the universe, you know, sending out the ingredients to form life. And one of that, those packages landed on earth and lo and behold, we have life now. What do you think about my hypothesis? So that's called panspermia, uh, a variant of that, which is, has a little more scientific grounding would be called panspermia where life begins on in one place and by action of asteroids by the way if you smash an asteroid other surrounding rocks that might be infused with microbes in their nooks and crannies are flung to escape velocity and they float through their local star system and can land on other planets so panspermia would be a way for one genetic code to spread to multiple places so now whether it's uh, whether you have an intelligent alien or a deity uh, there's actually, uh, dare I call it a religion, there's a group of people who are certain that their god are just hyper-powerful aliens living in the Pleiades star cluster, and we are their descendants. So uh, the only difference between that and a divine uh, a creation is that one is a divine god and the other is an all-powerful alien. And um, if the alien has powers you can't understand or comprehend, I, that kind of has the properties of a god. Of a deity, anyway. yeah. So, I, listen, well, I yeah, mean... But, I, but I, I try to resist invoking God in places we don't yet understand. Understood. I just think Johnny Appleseed rolls off the tongue better than panspermia. I think it'll, <laughs> I think it'll catch on faster, the Johnny Appleseed uh, <laughs> hypothesis. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this question, Doctor. Um, if, if I had an envelope in my hand, and inside the envelope was the answer to one question you want to know... An unknown in the universe right now. What, what's the question you really want answered more than anything? So I have a cop-out answer, if you allow me. Okay. Uh, so so I, I'm going to give two replies. One of them is, the question I want most answered is the question I don't yet know to ask, because it would only arise on the landscape of future discovery. Hmm. That's, okay, so... Because I remember in graduate school, oh, we need to know the age of the universe or the value of the Hubble constant. That's the big question. Then we answer that question, but then that opens up 10 other questions. So, no, I'm not going to pivot my life on the reply to one question. No, that that's cheapens the whole uh, enterprise of, 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 the, of exploration and discovery. Understood. I, but if I did have just an honest one question, it would be, are we smart enough as a species to even answer the questions we pose? Or deeper yet, are we smart enough to even know what questions to ask? 
I'm going to say no on both. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not the answer in the MO, but I'm going to say no on both. All right, let me rephrase the question. I, I really appreciate the answer. That was a very uh, deep and thoughtful answer. What do you, what question, what unanswered question now do you think will be answered within a generation? Is, is there oh, something that we're going to be close to discovering? That's a tight answer there. I mean, a tight question. So I would say we are, we are searching the solar system with, with, you know, with, with, with good science, good engineering, and good energy and intent to find any signals of life on other planets in our solar system. On Mars, in the moons of Jupiter, which has liquid oceans that have been liquid for billions of years, and all evidence shows on Earth that life began in our oceans, liquid water oceans. So, and by the way, that's outside of the Goldilocks zone. You know, we were previously restricted ourselves to that distance from the host star. Not too close, your water evaporates. Not too far, the water freezes. But out near Jupiter, which is outside the Goldilocks zone, Jupiter has energy pumped into its surrounding moons, uh, creating warmth and melting the ice, creating this this eon-long ocean of water. There's more water in in Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, then there is water on Earth. So NASA, NASA has, a, has, a, has, a, has a mantra, which is follow the water, because life as we know it requires water. So I think in, in you know, how many years I have left, in, <laughs> in, you know, in this generation's lifetime, we will know for sure whether there's life or not in our own solar system outside so, of the Earth. I, I love that answer. So th- that leads me to this next question, uh, which I think I know the answer to. Do you think then... Life in in other solar systems, other galaxies, not rare at all. It's probably bountiful in some form or so, another. Yeah, so we have good reason to think it wouldn't be rare. And uh, two, two good reasons, ready? One of them is the ingredients of life itself in rank order of atoms. Rank order. So we, the number one atom in our body is hydrogen. But I go over this in the talk on March 10th, by the way. Uh, you're, 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 you're getting your own private... <laughs> It's it's a great uh, a moose bouche for the uh, oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the search for life in the universe. Yeah. So there's a set from someone who eats at fancy restaurants, right? <laughs> so so uh, so what am I saying? So you what your question was? The yeah, ingredients. I distracted myself. The ingredients, oh, ingredients for life. You. Yeah. So the ingredients of life. We have hydrogen and then oxygen, which composes the water molecule. In our body, we're, we're more than half water, H2O. The hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, those four ingredients in our bodies are the same four ingredients in the top-ranked ingredients in the universe of chemically active elements, in order. So what happened on Earth was highly opportunistic. If we were made of like an isotope of bismuth, you'd have reason to say, <laughs> hey, something special happened here, something rare. But no, we, have, we are made of the most common ingredients of the universe and and life got underway very quickly here within like a hundred million years sounds like a long time but that's short compared to the history of the earth so why and there's billions of hundred billion stars in the galaxy a hundred billion galaxies in the universe no no one who studied the problem is running around saying we are the only life in the universe Search for Life in the Universe, March 10th, 3 p.m., Fox Theater. Get your tickets now. We are going to give away one pair, but don't rely on you winning the pair because the phone lines are going to be jammed next hour. Uh, final question for you, Doctor, if you don't mind, and I'm, I'm totally going to mispronounce this. Uh, Omuamu, the, uh, the, oh. uh, I, 
well, how do yeah, you pronounce you totally it? <laughs> amuse bouche. I'll go oh. back to amuse bouche. Uh, how do you how do you pronounce that? Amuamua. Amuamua. There you go. Very easy. Your take yeah, on that? Hawaiian first scout. So the doubling up muamua. One is the scout, and when you double up on it, it's like the first of the scouts. Yes. That's the name we gave. By the way, that was discovered by telescopes in Hawaii. That's the name we gave. We, people who who um, discovered it and named it, it's the name we gave to the first asteroid or comet object interloping through our solar system. We'd expected to find these decades ago, and we just never did until we had much better detection methods. So we find asteroids and comets all the time, but they're bound orbitally to the sun. This one came in from interstellar space and exited back into interstellar space. And since then, we found a few more. So we're very happy about that. Positive uh, as far as the search for life in the universe is concerned, that, that these uh, intersolar system objects are out there? Well, they came, they came through. Uh, yeah, space is, is, is a shooting gallery. Oh, my gosh. In fact, recent evidence suggests that there may be 10 times as many planets that were ejected from their original forming star system, wandering as vagabonds through inter <laughs> interstellar space than there are planets orbiting stars. So interstellar space is not as empty as we once imagined it to be. And these, these interlopers, you know, sure, I... I they're visitors. <laughs> yeah, I have no problems with visitors. And I guess I guess uh, going back to we should thank Jupiter for for keeping us where we are, right? Uh, the inner oh. inner solar system. It, it's all yeah, because Jupiter's of Jupiter. Like a, like a big brother, you know, who will protect us because something that comes from the outer solar system on its way in, it'll see Jupiter's gravity, and Jupiter say, "No, you don't." <laughs> it'll deflect it into another direction, occasionally send it out of the solar system. So we're pretty sure when you do the orbital dynamic that Jupiter has saved Earth from many, many possible collisions, even ones that might have rendered our, our, our newly, um, uh, our, our new mammal ancestors after the dinosaurs <laughs> might have rendered them extinct. Our protective even. big brother, that is Jupiter. Uh, Dr. Tyson, man, what a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So excited you're coming to Atlanta, March 10th, Fox Theater, The Search for Life in the Universe. Tickets available online. Uh, folks want to learn more about you and your amazing mind. Uh, website, social media, where can we find you? Oh, sure. Uh, NeilDeGrasseTyson.com. It, just the normal website. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a little less on Twitter lately on X because I, I think it's more of a cesspool than a place to just have fun. Um, but I'm on I'm on Twitter at X at Neil Tyson. Um, everything else, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. So Facebook, uh, I, I've got a, a vibrant presence on on TikTok. And uh, the way I stay current there, I, I have someone one-third my age advising me what to <laughs> Same. So, Absolutely same here. <laughs> have you thought about maybe an <laughs> astrophysicist <laughs> OnlyFans page? I mean, because people are making the money on that OnlyFans, and I think there's a way to do it, um, you know, that's safe for, yeah, for viewing. I, I, I'm not on OnlyFans. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Doctor. If I give a quick shout-out, a couple of years ago I yeah. published a book called Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. Okay. And for, for me, I wrote it as a wake-up call to, to alert people of our irrational ways and how we might be able to rectify that just by applying a scientific rationality and a, and a dose of, 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 of a cosmic perspective. So I just put that as an offering because I'm pretty sure that if aliens came to visit and saw what we're doing to one another and to the environment, they would run home and say there's no sign of intelligent life on yeah, Earth. Yeah, a big U-turn. So, <laughs> so, so this a big book is an attempt to, to just sh show up a little better 
when aliens come. Have, let, let them be, say, hey, you guys doing good by yourselves here, rather than what we're actually doing. Starry Messenger, available wherever books are sold, I'm imagining? Yes, they are. All right. Uh, doctor, we, we so look forward to you uh, coming to Atlanta. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, great stuff, and uh, best, uh, best of luck in the future, my friend. You got it. Thanks for having there me. There you go. Uh, amazing individual right there, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Physis- astrophysicist, cosmologist, author, science communicator, the man. And he's in town. <laughs> what is it? How do you pronounce it? Amuamua. Amuamua, of course. That's the one thing that's going to stick out of my head now for the, for the rest of the day. All right. Uh, that was fantastic. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.